welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. As we close out 2021 and look towards 2022, we are pleased to present this mini-series of podcasts that will review key developments over the past year across a number of important geographic regions, industries, and specialisms. And we'll look ahead to consider what the next 12 months might bring. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our latest edition of Arbitral Insights. Here at Reed Smith, we like to talk about some current developments in the world of international arbitration. And today, I'm joined by my partner, Simon Greer. Hello, Simon. Morning, Gautam. Good to speak to you. Nice to see you as always. So Simon and I are going to talk about some of the, well, should we say horizon scanning in the world of international arbitration as it impacts India, a market that we've been very closely involved in as a firm for almost 30 years now. And Simon and I work very closely in relation to a number of the issues we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to be doing is broadly this. I will briefly talk about some of the key developments in arbitration law in India this calendar year of 2021. I will then be asking Simon to talk about some of the great work he's been doing on the committee of the YMCIA, which uh, is very exciting. Then I'm going to be talking through, uh, just mentioning some of the key things on the horizon in terms of arbitration in the coming year. And that's going to be really focusing on what's important for our clients. So some of the things that our clients are mindful of, they're thinking about when they're drafting arbitration clauses, when they're doing contracts with parties in India, when they're privy to disputes in India. And then we'll just do a final roundup where Simon is going to just talk about some of the things from his perspective that are going to be interesting this coming year. So on that footing... Let's first of all just take a a look back as we end this year at some of the key developments in arbitration law in India. And I think it's fair to say that this year has seen the continued modernization of arbitration law by the Indian courts. And there have been some very important pro-arbitration decisions of the Supreme Court of India, which is India's highest court. The first key decision I'd just like to touch upon is the Supreme Court's decision in the case of PASL, Win Solutions, Private Limited, and GE Power Conversion, India Private Limited. Now, this case, importantly, has now laid to rest the debate there was as to whether two Indian parties could choose a foreign arbitration seat. The answer is yes, they can. There had previously been some uncertainty because some courts had said that at least one of the parties to the arbitration had to be non-Indian for both parties to agree to a foreign seat. Now, this was tricky because lots of foreign companies doing business in India do so via an Indian incorporated entity. So whilst the Indian party might be the dispute party, the overseas party would have a a very significant interest in the arbitration. Now, 
this decision was very important because, as I say, it laid to rest the previous uncertainty uh, as to whether two Indian resident parties could choose a foreign seat. And it also makes clear now that an award rendered in that foreign arbitration will be enforceable in India. And I think the facts are just briefly worth mentioning in the PASL case. Now, that was an, an arbitration in Zurich under the ICC rules with Indian governing law. And that's not atypical of many disputes that we will often see, Simon, as you know. And in this case, GE won the arbitration and sought to enforce the award in India. And ultimately, it was able to do so. And importantly, also, and this is another very interesting spin-off from the case, the Supreme Court held that interim relief was available to GE for that purpose. Historically, again, there was some uncertainty as to, as to whether interim relief was available in this sort of situation. And this is, again, it's really important because this is a situation that many parties will come across and um, happily there's now certainty. The second case that I'd like to touch upon, which was, again, very important for what it held, was the case of Amazon.com NV Investment Holdings, LLC, uh, and Future Retail Limited. Now, this, again, like the GE case that I mentioned, reinforced the whole principle of party autonomy and freedom of contract and there being no public policy reasons to interfere with the modern movement of arbitration. Now, the Amazon case was important because it affirmed the recognition of emergency arbitration awards as a matter of Indian law. Now, in this case, uh, it involved the recognition of an emergency arbitration award obtained by Amazon in a SEAC arbitration, so a Singapore uh, International Arbitration Centre arbitration, which restrained the respondents from taking any action towards affecting the sale of assets in an Indian company to another Indian group, because that would have been a breach of Amazon's right of first refusal. Now, what happened here is after the emergency award had been rendered, the Delhi High Court ruled in favour of enforcing the emergency award, but the case was appealed to the Indian Supreme Court, which, as you know, Simon, is the uh, highest court of appeal in India. The Supreme Court of India reinforced, as I say, party autonomy and uh, essentially said, in summary, the parties could choose whatever rules they wanted. Uh, and if those provided for emergency arbitration, that was fine. The Emergency Arbitration Tribunal was a tribunal for the purposes of Indian arbitration and, importantly, the Indian Arbitration Act. And it was an award that was reasoned and therefore compliant. So this is really important because it, again, gives more confidence to our clients, to parties involved in arbitrations in, in, involving India. It reinforces the modern trend, the pro-arbitration trend of the Indian courts. And importantly, shows us further that India is really pushing through the courts to become an investment-friendly jurisdiction, or even more so of an investment-friendly jurisdiction. And these are very important developments because, as we know, India continues to be a very important market for investment by foreign parties. So 
those would be the two things I would say would have been the two decisions rather this year. There have been others, but these are the two that I think are particularly important for our clients and which certainly our clients have noticed and discussed with us. So, Simon, can I now hand over to you? As I mentioned in the introduction, you have been, in the course of this year, very busy as a member of the steering committee of the YMCIA, which, for those who won't be familiar with it, is the Young Mumbai Center for International Arbitration Group. Now, Simon, as you know, I stopped being young many, many years ago. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's obviously important that young people like you are involved in the future progress and development of arbitration. So let me hand over to you, because we know that the MCIA has just celebrated its five-year anniversary. It's one of the most dynamic inst- institutions in India for arbitration. And I think our listeners would find it very useful to hear about what you and your colleagues on the steering committee have been doing. Sure. Thanks, Gotam. And uh, good to know that you think I'm still young, uh, or at least just You about... definitely are, Simon. You're much, much younger yeah. than me. I just about fall within the, the age criteria of the young MCIA. So yes, uh, just to give a, a little bit of background, the young MCIA is an organ of the Mumbai Centre for International Arbitration for people under the age of 40. And the MCIA is one of the fastest growing new arbitration institutions and part of uh, the recent wave of regional arbitration centers opening in jurisdictions where there's a huge market for arbitration as a dispute resolution mechanism. And as you and I know, Gotam, Indian parties are one of the leading groups of arbitration users globally. We've been involved in many arbitrations connected to India over the years across many different industries, including banking and financial services, pharmaceuticals, technology, communications, media and commodities. So the MCIA is a very important new institution in the global arbitration community. And it's one I really expect to continue to grow rapidly um, as the years progress. The young MCIA, in terms of its key objectives, it, it looks to harness the ideas of young professionals and students who are interested in arbitration create networks among them and promote the use of arbitration among them and also encourage innovation in arbitration. And obviously, young practitioners and students are a great source of ideas in that regard. And more specifically, uh, some of the key things it tries to do include uh, seeking to connect young professionals and students in India with a wider network around the world involved in arbitration and build a strong network within which they can share ideas and experiences. Obviously, there's a huge resource of senior and eminent practitioners across the globe and one of the great things that the YMCIA is trying to do is connect that uh, experience to young students and professionals in India who are interested in arbitration. The YMCIA organizes training programs at seminars, workshops and social events and that's looking to build the knowledge of the young arbitration community and again connect them to senior arbitration practitioners. It also seeks to educate young practitioners on best practices in institutional arbitrations and give them a good insight into the workings of an arbitral institution like the MCIA and the operation of their rules. And also, of course, as as you know, the rules of arbitral institutions are constantly adapting and changing, uh, particularly in recent times, and keeping on top of that and and making sure young practitioners and students are aware of that is, is an important thing to do. 
It also encourages young people with an interest in arbitration to write articles and blogs on issues of importance in arbitration. And that's great to get uh, the younger generation thinking about issues in arbitration and, and expressing their opinions on them. It also provides frequent updates on the latest developments in arbitration. And ultimately, it promotes the use of institutional arbitration as an alternative dispute resolution mechanism. I was very privileged to have been appointed for a two-year term in April this year to the steering committee of the Young MCIA. Uh, That's alongside another 28 uh, practitioners who are from a wide range of different backgrounds, law firms, chambers, some are in-house, and all from a wide variety of different jurisdictions as well. It's really great to work with such a diverse group on the steering committee um, who are interested in arbitration, promoting it as a form of ADR, and with a strong interest in Indian arbitration matters. So some of the key work that the steering committee has been working on that I've been involved with as well includes a life cycle of an arbitration series. That's a series of uh, panel discussions about stages of arbitrations and the issues that can be encountered in them. It's a really practical guide to real world scenarios where experienced practitioners can give young people a flavor of how arbitrations can often play out. Of course, every arbitration is different, but the war stories that people can tell are really useful to know. And on a stage-by-stage basis, I think that's a really excellent practical guide for young people. An essay competition, which is ongoing, which Reed Smith is co-sponsoring with Quadrant Chambers. And Gautam, as a reminder, you're one of the judges in. <laughs> I am indeed, and I'm looking forward to yes. reading the submissions. I've, I had an update, Simon, as you would have seen, saying that uh, about 50 papers were submitted. That's right. Which which is a fabulous number and I look forward to seeing them. Absolutely. And the two topics that the entrants were invited to write on are emergency arbitrations and the use of technology in arbitrations, which of course are two of the hottest topics in arbitration right now. In terms of emergency arbitration, it's been really great to see young students and practitioners grappling with the interesting issues that arise from the increased prevalence of emergency arbitrations. Uh, in particular, how different jurisdictions are treating emergency arbitration, how different arbitration institutions are providing for it in their rules and what changes they're making to their rules in order to facilitate it. And ultimately, what the impact on enforceability is when it comes to seeking to enforce an emergency arbitration award, which can raise some interesting issues in particular jurisdictions. As for the use of technology in arbitration, unsurprisingly, uh, young people have great ideas on this and how arbitration can innovate and adapt to the ever-evolving world we live in. The use of artificial intelligence in arbitration is quite an interesting point, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that will grow in the coming years. The essay writers are also very perceptive as to the issues that increased use of technology brings in particular how it affects the sanctity of the arbitration proceedings and, for example, the cross-examination process. And as you know, Gautam, those have been uh, hot topics of debate in the mm-hmm. arbitration community. And it's been really good to see young students grapple with those issues and share their thoughts on them as well. So as I say, the judging of that contest is ongoing and it will be exciting to see the, the winning essay uh, in due course. Another uh, major focus of the steering committee has been diversity initiatives. Uh, And that's in particular promoting the involvement of women in arbitration and highlighting female role models who are leading arbitration practitioners that the future generation can look up to. Uh, This is incredibly important and it's really great to see is the future success of arbitration ultimately depends on its diversity and giving young people 
role models they can look up to and aspire to, uh, I think is fantastic. There's also on a similar theme, a mentoring scheme. And again, Gautam, I'm, I'm pleased to say you're one of the mentors and uh, will <laughs> yes. we'll soon, soon be imparting your years of experience and knowledge on the mentees, which is fantastic. I'll try my best, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea behind that is giving young students and practitioners who are interested in arbitration an opportunity to connect with eminent practitioners like Gautam um, and to share ideas and experience. I think those schemes are incredibly valuable. Um, it's really important that arbitration and the legal industry in general is accessible to everyone. Uh, historically, I think it's fair to say it's not always been the case that it's been easy for people from all backgrounds to have the opportunity to access the legal profession and the international arbitration community. And it's it's fantastic that the YMCIA is playing its part in open up, opening up the industry giving all who are interested in arbitration an opportunity to have a flavor of it and meet senior practitioners within it. Again, that can only encourage uh, more diversity in the legal profession and the arbitration community and ultimately grow uh, the use of arbitration. One more point is the YMCIA is uh, arranging a survey and arbitral surveys are one of the great ways in which arbitral institutions constantly seek to adapt uh, they look to listen to their users and take on board their feedback to ensure that current trends and thoughts are noted and factored into, uh, for example, in their arbitration rules. Uh, I know we're going to be discussing shortly, Gotam, some of the uh, key issues for arbitration in the coming year. And these types of surveys are really important in picking up on how those issues and trends get factored into arbitration institutions' rules going forward. And ultimately, listening to arbitral users is really important in ensuring that um, arbitration institutions stay up to speed. So that's a bit of a snapshot. Uh, there's, there's lots of other things going on, but hopefully it gives people uh, a bit of a flavor of what the way YMCIA does. What I would finally say is I really would encourage anyone who's under the age of 40 and has an interest in Indian arbitration in any respect whatsoever to apply to become a member of the YMCIA. It's free. And it gives you access to a wide range of interesting know-how uh, and networking and practice development opportunities. And one of my roles on the steering committee is to review and consider some of the membership applications. And I'd say it's great to see so many young people interested in learning more about arbitration. And I really hope that uh, many more continue to do the same. Thank you, Simon. Now, that was really, really helpful. And uh, you've really summarized very nicely the great work that the YMCIA is doing alongside the MCIA to further all the objectives you mentioned. So, uh, you know, a huge thank you from me uh, for all the work you've been doing in that respect personally. One of the things that really comes out of what you said, Simon, really sort of gels well with the next sort of short section I want to talk about, which is, you know, based on the things that you and I and others in our team have been talking about with our clients about some of the things that are sort of even like hot topics for the year ahead in terms of arbitration in India. And, you know, this is important, as I said, because India continues to be an important destination for investment and business transactions for our clients. And as we know, disputes are an inevitable fact of commercial life and they, they will happen. And, Historically, as we know, foreign clients have been reticent about agreeing to arbitration 
which takes place in India. So therefore, Singapore, London, other parts of the world like the Middle East, certain European cities have been very much the preferred seats for arbitration. One of the things that I think it's fair to say, Simon, from everything that you've said, which I know and people that we've spoken to will have said many times, is that India does have huge ambitions to become a centre for arbitration. And the MCIA is certainly one of the, of the key movers in that respect, as you've mentioned. And I think one of the interesting things on the horizon for the next year is to what extent institutional arbitration will be able to really get a further foothold in arbitration in India. Because it's still a, a work in progress. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there's further a time that needs to be put in to make that dream a reality. But it's certainly something that's going to be a topic that's going to be discussed. It's going to be something that, that many institutions in India are looking at. And as you know, Simon, apart from the MCIA in Mumbai, we've now also got, amongst others, the, the Delhi International Arbitration Centre, based in Delhi, of course, the nation's capital, and the Hyderabad International Arbitration and Mediation Centre in the city of Hyderabad in the south of India. And there will be more developments in this respect. So I think this will be an interesting thing for us to keep our eyes on. I think one of the other things that I would say, which um, is topical for the year ahead, is many of the pro-arbitration decisions that have been taken in India, particularly this year by the Supreme Court, have been spearheaded by Justice Nariman. Now, Justice Nariman is very well known as being a very forward-looking proactive and activist judge to drive forward arbitration. Now, he stepped down this year, so he's now retired because he reached the mandatory retirement age. So one of the things which I think a number of commentators have also mentioned is the hope that despite his stepping down from the Supreme Court, India will continue to, to be a pro-arbitration jurisdiction. Now, I believe it definitely will be because I think the direction of travel is very much set in that direction. But it'll be interesting to see how the other members of the Supreme Court now step up to ensure this continues to happen. One of the other things that is also has been a topical issue for some time now, but which will only get, I think, more entrenched in debate is third party funding. Third party funding of arbitration in India has been something that's been on the horizon for a while. A number of providers have been doing the rounds in India now for the last few years. And I think given the whole access to justice issue, which you and I are very aware of from things happening over here in the UK and in the US and parts of Europe, where the whole third party funding mechanism is a lot more well established. Uh, I think it's fair to say that India will continue to see a continued progress in that regard because third-party funding is definitely something that's piqued the interest of the third-party funding community. Now, why is all of this important is obviously one of the key questions. Now, the importance is because it's important to our clients and it's important to the confidence they have in the arbitration process and also the dispute resolution process more generally in terms of India because overseas parties are contracting with Indian parties all the time. 
And as you and I know, our clients always want as much certainty as they can have. So they want to minimize the unknowns. And so all of this confidence that's being built up, this forward movement, is a real positive. I think it's fair to say, Simon, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but I think there will certainly still be a preference for some time to come for our clients to go for an overseas seat, be it Singapore or London or Dubai, elsewhere, and not agree to India, at least for some more time to come, and to stick to overseas rules. So as much as, for example, the MCIA has a very nice system of rules, which are you know, very easy to use and are very similar to the international standard that many people will be well accustomed to, there will, I think, still be uh, a preference for overseas rules for some time to come. But certainly one of the things looking ahead next year and certainly the next few years ahead of that is India does have huge ambitions to become a hub for arbitration. And that's something that I know you and I and many others will watch with great interest. So that is my quick summary of what I think will be some things for the horizon for next year and maybe years to come. I wonder, Simon, if I could just ask you to give your quick thoughts on that point I mentioned a moment ago as to whether you would agree with me that our clients will continue to seek um, an overseas seat and overseas rules for as well, at least for, for the foreseeable future, you know, and what your thoughts are on that. Sure, Gautam. Uh, no, I do agree absolutely that in the near term, I, I think the established institutions that are the most familiar uh, to clients likely to continue to get the, the, the most business from arbitration users. What I would say, though, is the arbitration world is an ever uh, more competitive market. Uh, I mean, we've just touched upon some of the institutions in India. That's just one major jurisdiction relevant to arbitration. There are many other regions around the world where they are having similar arbitral institutions develop and uh, become more and more competitive. And I think as you've touched upon, these new arbitration institutions have real ambitions to be market leading. And in that regard, they're very proactive about what they do uh, in terms of looking at the rules and taking on board uh, feedback from users. And so it will be really interesting in the coming years to see how the traditional, uh, more established institutions react to that, because certainly there is, in my view, a real regionalization of arbitration occurring in the world at the minute. And I think that's going to make it an incredibly competitive marketplace for arbitration going forward. Thank you, Simon. No, that's very true. And I agree with you completely. So just as we close out this podcast, Simon, I just wonder whether I could ask you for any final thoughts. So, um, you know, in terms of the next year, you know, you know, we're looking ahead in terms of arbitration in India. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think you've covered all the, the key themes I can think of, Gautam. The only other point I was going to make is that on the 3rd of March, 2022, there will be the fourth year of GAR India. So GAR 2022 India, uh, which I understand you're co-chairing with Justice BN Sri Krishna. And you'll be covering key issues in the arbitration world uh, globally and in India. So I would encourage 
any anyone who's interested in arbitration issues or arbitration in India to look out for that. It's on the 3rd of March, 2022. And I'm sure Gautam and Justice BN Sri Krishna will uh, chair a fantastic event. Well, thank you, Simon. Yeah, well, we are, we are looking forward to that conference. We hope very much that it, it might be uh, in person, but we just have to uh, keep our fingers crossed for that. Uh, well, look, Simon, thank you very much indeed. I've really enjoyed having this discussion with you, and hopefully our listeners will have heard some uh, useful things in terms of uh, what's going on and what we think will be debated and thought about by people in the operation community impacting India. So on that note, thank you very much, Simon, and uh, we look forward to doing another one of these podcasts before too long. So, okay, bye-bye, Simon. Thanks, Gautam. Good to talk to you. Bye. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.